Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. Parking at SFO is easy when you book online. You can choose dates and times in advance and secure the best rates to make your departure stress-free. Learn more at flysfo.com parking. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, this is Forum. I'm Michael Krasny. Coming up on Forum, House Democrats today introduced one article of impeachment against President Trump for inciting an insurrection following last week's violent attack on the U.S. Capitol by his supporters. We'll discuss the latest with Eugene Scott of The Washington Post and Molly Ball of Time Magazine. Then, California announced plans last week to administer the first dose of the coronavirus vaccine to a million people in the course of only 10 days. The decision came as the state continues to see a surge in cases and as it faces criticism over a slow vaccine rollout for healthcare workers and nursing home residents. We'll get the details on the vaccination push. That's all next, right after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Michael Krasny. Democrats in the House of Representatives introduced an article of impeachment against President Donald Trump nine days before the end of his term. And the move came after Vice President Mike Pence declined to invoke the 25th Amendment to declare the president unfit for office. The Articles of Impeachment charges the president with insurrection for endangering the security of the United States and its institutions of government. Already, social media companies have blocked Trump. His personal lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, could be expelled from the New York bar over his role in the violent attack on the U.S. Capitol last week. And we're going to discuss the latest developments on the impeachment and aftermath of the insurrection. Joining us is Molly Ball, national political correspondent with Time Magazine and also the author of the book Pelosi, which we featured on Forum. And welcome back to Forum, Molly Ball. Good to have you. Thanks so much for having me. Great to be here again. Yeah, I guess the place to begin here is where we are. And I'd like to get your assessment and update us as best you can. The Republicans have essentially blocked the measure calling on Vice President Pence and the Trump cabinet to remove President Penn, uh, Trump from office under the 25th Amendment. And it looks like we're going forward now with uh, one article of impeachment, impeachment uh, for insurrection incitement, really. Uh, where do we stand in terms of uh, where this is moving and how do you see it moving? Uh, well, from what I understand, Republicans blocked this uh, from being passed by unanimous consent, which means they will still be able to hold a vote on uh, this this essentially ultimatum that they're trying to give to to the vice president, the Democrats in the House, led by Speaker Pelosi. So uh, that is still going to come up for consideration uh, for the House to actually have a recorded vote. Uh, and after that, they say if the vice president does nothing uh, for 24 hours, they will proceed to impeachment. So it's possible that that vote would come. I, I think no 
sooner than Wednesday. And then there's also a lot of discussion within the ranks, uh, particularly among Democrats in the House and Senate, of whether and how to send this over to the Senate under the rules of impeachment, as we, as some people may remember from uh, the last impeachment of Donald Trump a year ago. Uh, it is somewhat the House does have some discretion in terms of uh, how long they hold on to those articles and when they decide to send them over. So there's a lot of different balls in the air. I would say the situation is very unsettled. Uh, and that goes for, for Democrats and Republicans alike as they sort of scramble to consider how uh, to, to deal with the situation. And we should probably mention it was Alex Mooney, a Republican uh, from West Virginia, who objected under the unanimous consent on the 25th Amendment. But also the Republican National Committee has uh, essentially condemned the violence, but said impeachment will divide. They seem to be taking that point of view, which is also the point of view of Kevin McCarthy. Yes, that has that is the line so far, and uh, there is a lot of uncertainty among Republicans. They're, they are uh, talking among themselves. They're, they uh, they're, they're, uh, there's a lot of confusion. I think you know you see a lot of the the Republican establishment from the business world to the pages of the Wall Street Journal uh, turning very hard against Trump based on the events of last week. And it's starting. You know, it's taken a few days. I think for a lot of people to process what happened. As more images come out, more narratives come out from the attack on Wednesday, the seriousness of it has really uh, only become more clear to people. So uh, I think it would be premature to say that we know where any of this is going, frankly. And I think uh, a lot of, uh, of people, including a lot of Republicans, are, are trying to figure out uh, exactly where they stand. There is uh, indeed an effort to try to stop the president from running again for federal office. It would be actually a fact if he were barred on a majority vote by the Senate. But let me bring Eugene Scott into this, who's political reporter for The Washington Post and host of the podcast the next four years. And good to have you back with us, Eugene Scott. Welcome. Thanks for having me. I guess I'd like your thoughts about uh, a couple of things here. Uh, South Carolina Congressman Jim Clyburn said that uh, impeachment should be delayed uh, until after about 100 days because it would allow uh, President Biden, President-elect Biden, to essentially not only name his cabinet, but also do things with respect to the economy and the pandemic that need to be done. And there are people like Pat Toomey, a Republican from Pennsylvania, who are saying the president should resign, but I think that's probably unlikely. So what about the idea that this should be held for a while, that it would uh, be in the best interest of the country to not move forward? And in fact, timing probably doesn't allow it to move forward. You've only got a few days left, really, literally, of the Trump presidency. You know, I haven't heard a lot of support for the idea of delaying impeachment after uh, the inauguration, but there certainly is some concern that this uh, may not be the top priority for uh, Democrats, or at least should not be the top priority given the pandemic and uh, the state of the economy. Uh, there are certainly people who uh, are looking forward to Trump being out of office who want the new administration to pivot their attention on other matters, uh, but they uh, certainly are trying to figure out ways to hold Trump and many associated with him accountable. They just don't know if impeachment is the best way to do it immediately. Yeah, in fact, I noticed uh, David Leonhardt uh, this morning in the New York Times had an article that said that delay would perhaps uh, 
undercut the momentum, and that would be not in the necessarily the best interest of the country. If you've just joined us, we're talking about the effort to impeach President Trump with Eugene Scott, political reporter for The Washington Post, and Molly Ball, national political sport correspondent with Time Magazine. And if you'd like to join the program, if you have some thoughts or if you have some questions for our guests, we do invite you to do that, to be part of the program, and you can do that now by calling in our toll-free number, 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can also get in touch with us on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum or email any questions or comments you might have to forum at kqed.org. Uh, let me go back, Molly Ball, to you because I was looking at your Twitter feed and there was a whole thing in there about mobilizing uh, via social media of personal armies, and there's a great deal of concern now about the possibility of more mobilization before the inauguration. And I wanted to reference something and get your response to it that was written in the Irish Times by Finian O'Toole, who wrote a very widely circulated article about how the um, essentially rest of the world looks almost with pity now on the United States. Uh, but he was suggesting that uh, Trump tried first through the courts um, for a coup, then he tried with Congress, with the Republicans, and then there was the neo-fascists on the street that essentially he had an alliance with, and uh, they were all in plain sight, according to uh, the article by O'Toole. And Trump essentially galvanized them. Uh, you know, Rudy Giuliani talking about trial by combat. In other words, the implication of this article was it was organized. The wild, that was Trump's word, uh, appearance of his supporters in Washington was not only organized, but it was definitely planned. It wasn't anything spontaneous about it. Well, I think we should be very careful with the, the way that we describe all of these things. On the one hand, yes, the president did uh, recruit and encourage his supporters to come to Washington for a quote-unquote wild protest. He spoke at their event. He got them all ginned up. He urged them to, to fight hard and, and uh, to inspire fear in any Republicans who would not uh, go along with their you know uh, insane gambit to overturn the election based on a lie uh, and he even offered you know to, to, to escort them to the Capitol as it were uh, we also know that the a lot of the uh, people involved in this were making very sinister and violent plans ahead of time others of them weren't others of them saw this essentially as like a, a Trump rally or, or or any other kind of, of political rally where you come you get to be around like-minded people it's fun uh, and you get to make your voice heard so uh, it, it would be misleading to say that you know everybody in that crowd had some kind of marching orders and had uh, you know an end an end game in mind for how they were going to actually take down the government. And some of that I think we're still uh, learning about as the investigations uh, continue to happen and the arrests continue to happen. And I would say going forward too, you know, there's, there's a couple of different considerations. First, there's the short-term threat, because we do know that a lot of the people, uh, particularly the more violent people involved in the events last week, uh, saw it as, as a success because they were able to so easily breach the defenses of the Capitol uh, and, and, and come so close to potentially uh, political assassinations. So, and, and they are regrouping and they are talking about dates in the future. That was part of this kind of intelligence was cited by Twitter when they permanently banned the president uh, on Friday as part of the reason. Uh, but in the longer term, you know, the, the tweet that you referenced, I was quoting a national security expert who was talking about how 
what seems to be likely uh, for, for Trump after he leaves office is he, he may resemble uh, a figure that's quite common in other countries, who, which is a, a political candidate who commands a personal army and, and, and directs it uh, to, to use force uh, against people who disagree with him. And so that is a much longer term question about uh, whether and how uh, Trump plans to command the people who remain loyal to him. And, and some of that also is going to depend upon uh, the degree to which he is either uh, kept in the ranks of, of the normal Republican Party or cast out of it. And so I think that's part of the conversation you hear among the Republican establishment now is, is there any way to divorce ourselves from this figure who we have, you know, enabled and attached ourselves to for the last four to six years? Well, I think you're right. There were people there who were just there to protest and not necessarily to uh, do anything with respect to violence. But there were those there who brought restraints and zip ties. And you have to remember what was uh, threatened against Gretchen Whitmer, uh, governor of uh, Michigan. There were kind of military tacticians there. There's some pretty scary stuff, you know, talking about lynching Vice President Pence and killing uh, Speaker Pelosi. Uh, if, uh, again, we get to sort of the core of this uh, Eugene Scott, and I want to go to you on this. Uh, we've also got the fact that this is a president that many see as out of control, off the rails, and he still, well, he still has nuclear codes, uh, and he still can do a lot of damage. There's been, for example, uh, talk about his possibly using real force against Iran or that sort of thing with nuclear weapons. And that is primarily the argument behind impeaching him as soon as possible based on uh, the conversations I've had with lawmakers and, and other activists and, and experts who are aware of how much can be done that could permanently harm uh, the country and other countries as well uh, in our remaining days of the Trump administration. Um, time is of the essence. I think there's a lot of uh, focus on a lame duck presidency as if uh, it literally is doing absolutely nothing at all. But many uh, poor decisions could be made. And there's genuine fear uh, that something uh, similar to what happened last week uh, could happen again. I mean, we've seen on social media uh, su supporters of Trump make the argument that uh, this was not the last time that we would see something like last week's riots and their plans uh, for more to come to Washington, D.C. on the day of uh, the inauguration of Joe Biden. So critics are hoping perhaps taking some wind out of all of that could begin with perhaps moving forward with impeachment as soon as possible. And again, we're talking about the efforts to impeach President Trump, and we will continue. We'll take your calls when we return. And we're with Eugene Scott and Molly Ball. This is Forum. I'm Michael Krasny. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. You're listening to Forum, and we're talking about the effort to impeach President Trump for the second time with Molly Ball, national political correspondent with Time and author of Pelosi, and Eugene Scott, political reporter for The Washington Post and host of the podcast The Next Four Years. Let me read some emails that are coming in uh, when I have uh, your voices heard here. Kelly writes, President Trump's words and actions are without question treasonable offenses. 
Traitorous actions by a sitting president warrant immediate uh, removal. This is beyond the impeachment and 25th Amendment removal processes. He should be immediately removed by the appropriate law enforcement agency, likely by the military. And Gene writes, I don't agree with the Republicans' claim that impeachment would divide the country. The entire country is already extremely divided, more than it ever has been in my lifetime. If they wait too long to impeach him, I fear the Republicans will soften up and vote no. And Jenny writes, some consequence needs to happen, whether it's removal, impeachment, or prosecution. Facing no consequences would be horrible and would pave the way for another rampage. And let me bring your calls on. Let's start with you, Mike. Thank you for waiting. You're on. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I have a question regarding impeachment. Um, regardless of the House's vote to impeach, the chances of 18 Republican senators voting to convict the president are, are slim to none. Uh, they remain terrified of him. So just like last year's impeachment was mostly uh, toothless, won't this vote result in nothing more than a stain on Trump's necktie? Let me go to you on this, Molly Ball. Uh, that comment and the others that you read before it all point to this question of what is the purpose of this impeachment? Because I think there are a bunch of different things that are trying to be done here, right? Uh, first, there is simply the expression of disapproval saying we we don't think the president uh, should is allowed to do this and and this is the mechanism for that given that you know we we have a, a standing opinion on the part of the justice department that the president can't be prosecuted the only way the only means of holding any sitting president accountable is this political process uh, of impeachment by the congress or the 25th amendment but that's uh, viewed as somewhat far-fetched just given that it, it has never been deployed in that way and raises a lot of other questions logistically about how that process would work. So is it just to, to lay down a marker, say this isn't something you're allowed to do in the United States? Is it an attempt to actually remove him from office? As the caller suggests, it's unlikely that that would succeed. Although again, this is a fast moving process. We did just have 92 uh, members of the Senate, including all but eight Republicans uh, vote to certify the election. So at the very least, the majority of, of Republican senators uh, are uh, in reality on uh, unlike their their colleagues in the house uh, on that question uh, is it to prevent Trump from running again that is one of the things you can do with impeachment is prevent somebody from ever again holding federal office uh, or is it to to sort of uh, you know prevent Trump for doing it from doing anything crazy uh, in the little more than a week remaining in his term to sort of signal hey buddy you're hanging by a thread here uh, and we may not be able to do this with the votes we have at this moment uh, but this is moving very fast and anything else you do could push uh, more Republicans calculation in that direction. I think that is also an important aspect of what's going on here. So the impeachment, uh, you know, as, as, as some have noted, impeachment is not just an act, it's a process. And I think part of the point of initiating this process is to have it in place uh, so that any further events uh, can, can then be taken into account. All right. I want to read a comment from a listener named Henry who says impeachment is not only divisive, but politically disadvantageous for Democrats. Republicans are feeling shamed and rejecting their party, but impeachment will lead many to coalesce around President Trump. I want to get a caller on uh, who's also talking about the Republicans in this vein. Tim, go ahead. You're on. Yes, uh, I'm a Democrat, but I, I think we need two parties, two strong parties in this country. And I feel the Republicans are uh, uh, heading for a permanent minority. 
So I, I guess my question is, I don't understand why Democrats aren't trying to uh, incentivize their Republican colleagues that, to get on the bandwagon with impeachment, impeachment, because they need to remove this stain and stink from the Republican Party. And they are just trying to stall it out, which seems to be the same thing they did when Trump said he lost the election was stolen from him. And they just want to just let it play out. All right, Tim, thank you for that call. Let me hear what you have to say on this, Eugene Scott. Go to you. Well, I think there has been some anxiety from some on the left who fear that Democrats could be overstepping and creating a situation that makes it even more difficult in uh, the future to reach some type of bipartisan solutions to many of the issues uh, plaguing our society right now. Uh, There's often uh, you hear uh, a response that says something like, you know, this will just embolden them even more. Uh, but but there's real fear. You know, five people died. Uh, far more could have died. And, and a message needs to be sent. I think many people who are dissatisfied with Trump and his supporters are saying that discourages future Trumps from rising up. And they think the best way to do that might be moving forward with an impeachment process. And again, Eugene Scott is political reporter for The Washington Post and host of the podcast The Next Four Years. And Nathan is our next caller from Hayward. Nathan, welcome. Nathan, are you there? Sorry. We... Can you hear me? Yeah, now I can. Go ahead, please. Oh, yes. Um, I just wanted to voice my concern, which I haven't heard before, that Trump may use his amnesty power to broadly pardon everyone that was involved in the Capitol siege. There is concern on that score. Molly Ball, your thoughts? One of the concerns, and, and you know, pardons more broadly, are, we've been hearing since before last week that uh, a slew of pardons uh, are in the works for the last few days of the president's term. Uh, and, and I don't think we know where that is headed. I do think that we have seen, because so much of the executive branch is an open revolt with, you know, cabinet secretaries resigning and others expressing disapproval, uh, that... Uh, it would be interest. It'll be interesting to see if the president did try to do something like that to actually pardon the the rioters themselves. Would there be some kind of resistance within the Justice Department or or elsewhere in the administration to try to prevent him uh, from issuing such an order? You know, he he's accustomed to uh, issuing government orders via Twitter, which is was not something that had a lot of precedent before he started doing it. Uh, but he no longer has that available to him. So if he tries to work within the processes of government uh, and and within you know the the way these things are. Supposed supposed to work if he even knows how uh will there be some kind of roadblocks put up I, I don't know i don't know by the way if i misspoke but a couple of listeners called in to say that uh, jim clyburn did not say impeachment should be delayed only that the trial should take place after biden's first hundred days so if i gave the uh, impression otherwise uh, I, I stand corrected but i thank those who called and let us know on that score let me get another caller on her jason joins us next jason you're on all right thanks for taking my call uh, I wanted to point out the clever use of language by Minority Leader McCarthy in, t- in saying that impeachment is divisive. I think it is the president's behavior that is divisive, and impeachment is merely the mechanism by which he'll be held accountable. So if he's going to be a representative from California and be against divisiveness, please stand up for being against the righteous cause of the divisiveness. Thank you. All right, Jason, I appreciate your call, and I'm going to go back to Eugene Scott from a 
comment uh, a listener named Julia writes and gets your reaction to this, uh, Eugene. Julia says, I've read that impeaching the president means he loses his $200,000 annual pension for the rest of his life, his $1 million per year travel allowance, his lifetime full Secret Service detail, and his ability to run in 2014. Is this all true? Well, I have heard some of those as well. I don't know how true all of those are. We have to remember that uh, Bill Clinton was impeached and uh, some of those privileges he was able to retain after um, that. Uh, But the main focus I think a lot of people are paying attention to is whether or not this will prevent uh, the president from running again in 2024. And if, if so, that is certainly one of the main motivations that many supporters of impeachment are uh, being led by and their support for it. I don't know if Molly has more information about that. Well, you're right. That's where the main focus is. Molly, you want to weigh in here? Uh, well, most of these consequences uh, are in the hands of the Senate. The the, the House can, in impeaching is essentially like an indictment that it then passes to a prosecutor. So the Senate, as the prosecuting authority, has to levy any of those consequences, whether it's bans on future holding office, censure, removal from office, any of the, they actually have an array of consequences available to them. Uh, but But that's all in the hands of the Senate. And I wonder, uh, Molly, if you could comment, we're coming up on a break here again, but uh, there's been a lot of anger uh, from the right and from the Trump supporters about uh, the essentially banning of him from social media. And uh, I'd like to get your thoughts. Well, uh, there are a lot of angry people out there, um, but uh, the question is, you know, what they're going to do about it. They have what we've seen is that these platforms have decided that they've they've reached their limit uh, with Trump in particular, but also with a lot of these, uh, you know, uh, fringe actors and and movements and voices that are uh, doing that are doing and saying things that are untrue or dangerous in various ways. And that is at the platform's discretion. So, uh, you know, as, as many have remarked, the president still has plenty of ways to, to make his voice heard if that's what he wants to do. Uh, but does he try to found some other type of platform after he leaves office? If he does so, uh, you know, will, will web hosting services and that sort of thing support it? I think those are all very much open questions. And a quick question for you, Eugene Scott, I'd just like you to weigh in on before we uh, uh, go to another segment here, and that is uh, criticism coming from the left about a fifth column possibly in the Capitol Police. I think Molly Ball, in fact, was asked that question by Brian Lehrer, my colleague in New York. Uh, Cops uh, certainly were at Trump rallies, and there's uh, reports of infiltrating police forces. Do you have any light to shed on that? Yeah, I mean, there are investigations from multiple police departments and fire departments, that their members may have participated in some of uh, the riots. We saw the New York Fire Department suspend some individuals already because of their uh, activity in uh, infiltrating uh, this this group and, and breaking into the Capitol. And I think a really important point to pay attention to is that Black Lives Matter activists have been telling us that this was the case for years, that the relationship between law enforcement and white nationalists was so tight that it prevented them from moving forward safely with what it is that they were hoping to achieve as anti-racism activists. And we can see it appears so far uh, to have threatened the safety of so many lawmakers and their staffs and media individuals um, as well. Well, I thank you both. And uh, we've been talking about the effort to impeach President Trump. Eugene Scott, good to have you with us. Thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me. Molly Ball.
Good to have you with us as well. Thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me. Molly Ball's book is Pelosi. She's, again, national political correspondent for Time, and Eugene Scott is political reporter for The Washington Post and host of the podcast The Next Four Years. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. A young correctional officer. He said it was the most dangerous prison in California. Forced to make a choice. Fulfill his oath or back his fellow officers. Recognize the badge of my office. I'm Suki Lewis from KQED Podcasts comes on our watch season two. New Folsom, a story about who gets hurt when the system that promises to keep us safe is bent on protecting itself. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts.